This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as we join with those online who are watching, and let's Recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. What? Yeah, was it a word up here too? Yeah. There. Here are sound guys a hand. <laughs> Fixing the little sound. Well, I didn't hear it. Well, you need some hearing aids. All right. So now, uh, before we go any further, let's uh, take uh, talk just a bit about our offering. If you came today wanting to give cash or check, you can do so on the way out. There'll be people at the doors where you can. Uh, put in some cash or check at that time. Uh, many people give online. Uh, many people do recurrent giving. And then, of course, there's those of us who use the app to do our weekly giving. Today now is Mission Sunday. Say, so what's that? Uh, this is the day where we actually ask people to give something above and beyond, okay? Uh, not just move it. For example, if you normally give X amount of dollars, don't take half of it and give to me. <laughs> missions that doesn't help us, all right? Whatever you normally give, and then now to give above and beyond. A lot of people might use their app at this time for that. Even those of you who do recurring giving maybe haven't really programmed anything for special offerings like this. You can take your phone, go to our app, and uh, pick the campus, and then you'll see the fund, and scroll down, you'll see missions, and then give uh, according uh, to your ability to that. It's a special gift that helps us to do things like you just saw, giving computers and stuff to these uh, orphans and stuff around the world that we help to support. Uh, missions is really, I call it really pure giving in the sense that you give and you don't get anything back. You have to understand, when we give to the church, which is what the Bible says we should do, uh, in a way, we all benefit from that. You know, we have the nice building and the music and the chairs and all the stuff that we do. So we all benefit from that giving. When you give to missions, you cannot benefit at all because this just goes to people on the other side of the world. And it's really pure giving when you don't benefit 
at all. Uh, and it brings special blessing. And we all know that Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. So we want to be blessed. So thank you for doing that. Um, and then final announcement, uh, because we'll need to uh, order the food for the, uh, not this Monday night, but next Monday night, uh, the big birthday celebration we're going to have for my wife. Uh, it'll be on that side of the building. If you would like to join us, you're all welcome to join us. It is free. You just need to let us know if you're coming. You can sign up out there or you can go online and let us know uh, that way as well. But we need to know today or the latest by Wednesday so that we can order. Uh, it's not obligatory. It's not, you know, we're not begging and pleading for people to come. This is just, it's an invitation. We're doing the party and we want to invite all of you who'd like to come and celebrate with us. So we're going to have a band out there and uh, food and just, just going to hang out and have a great time. Uh, if for some reason it rains or gets crazy uh, or drops 40 degrees. <laughs> what weird weather we've been having, right? It's like hot. Ah, by the end of the day, you've got a sweater on. It's freezing. Uh, we'll move inside if something goes weird. So uh, that will be our plan. Okay, this morning's message, starting from uh, Mark, reading from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, the first sixth chapter, verse one. We'll start there. Now, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this uh, wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? They've been hearing that he'd been performing. Uh, isn't this the carpenter? We know this guy. Isn't this Mary's son? The brother of, and then he names Jesus' brothers, uh, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? For some reason, the girls don't get named. Boo. All right? So uh, they all took offense at him. They knew who he was. You say, he had brothers and sisters? Well, and I know a lot of you come from Roman Catholic backgrounds, uh, and there's some debate on this. Uh, Roman Catholics believe that Mary and Joseph never came together as husband and wife. I think a lot of it comes from a kind of a strange view of sex that, oh, she wouldn't do something so horrible. It's not horrible. I'm a big fan, personally. But anyway, uh, but the Bible says that they didn't come together until after Jesus was born, which implies they did after. Uh, their way around this, and it's not a big deal to us, is they said, well, we believe that um, Mary married Joseph, who had children from a previous marriage, and they died. Well, that's where those kids came from, so whatever. Anyway. Uh, either literally brothers and sisters or stepbrothers and sisters, whatever. Uh, that's who they were. So anyway, he, they knew him. It was family. It was friends. And they who is this guy? We know who he is. What's he doing? And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Kind of a long way of saying that a prophet is honored, except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. And, he, and one of the most amazing verses of scripture when I read this, it says he, you know who he is, Jesus, could not do any miracles there. How is that possible? How is that possible? How could he not? Because of their unbelief. You know, you want God to do something in your life, you have to have some faith. You know, faith sparks the presence of God and the Holy Spirit moves. But without faith, none of that stuff's going to happen. So he could do no miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, which I'm sure they thought was great. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, this isn't really what I want to talk about. The next verses are what I want to talk about, but I just want to touch this briefly. Sometimes people get upset because 
they aren't able to persuade their friends and their family. And often, Pastor, what can I say to my family? What can I do to my family? Convince them about Jesus and, and da, 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 da. Well, if Jesus couldn't do anything, I don't think you can either. All right? So relax. Chill out. It's not your job to deal with them. It's God's job to deal with them. So what do I do? Live your life. Live your life. Live your life as an example and as a testimony to them. And let them watch that. But it's hard for people uh, to uh, uh, look past you being family. And it is what it is. We were talking about the first service. It's amazing how you can be 50 years of age uh, and get together with siblings and everybody still act, starts acting like they did when they were 12. You know, everybody still looks at you through the same lens and some of the same stupid little arguments pop up and the crazy little things that go on and stuff. You know, it is what it is. So uh, don't stress about it. Live uh, a good life in front of them and continue to reach out to people that you can affect. But don't get discouraged if your family or you think you have to do something special to convince your family. Apparently, convincing one's family is rather difficult. If Jesus couldn't pull it off, I don't think you have too much of a chance. Although some of us, we win our family members, but don't get stressed about it. All right, that's, that was for free. Now, here we go. <laughs> then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Even more than that, he gave them authority to heal people. The stuff that he was doing, he got them all together because he wanted to reach more places. And he sent them two by two and he gave them the ability uh, to do what he was doing. And they go out and they are healing the sick and they're doing miracles and they're casting out people who are demon-possessed, setting them free from these impure spirits. Uh, and when they came back, if you continue reading, which we won't read much further, uh, you'll find out they were just excited. Can you imagine what that would be like? All of a sudden, Jesus gives them the power to go out and do what he was doing. And I mean, they were like blown away by this and they were so excited. So he goes uh, and they minister to these people and they share the good news with them and they're serving these people. They're healing sick people. They're doing all kinds of neat things. Uh, so that's what he's going to send them out to do. And Jesus said these were the instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. Okay, no bread, no bag, no money in your belt. You can wear sandals, but don't take an extra shirt. I don't know. This is what they always told him to do. And he says, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And then, this is the kicker, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, or in other words, they reject you, they turn away from you, they diss you, You're doing, you ever do nice things for people and then they completely diss you, completely ignore everything you do for them, and all the mothers said, amen. <laughs> all right, I mean, that's a little frustrating. So you're doing these things, and it's hard not to get angry in, in those situations. Well, Jesus says uh, this. When this happens to you, shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. And whenever people read this, they tend to focus on the last few words, testimony against them. I'm going to get you back. You know, this is how Jesus says, we can get back out of my... No, 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 no. Vengeance belongs to God. This is not so you can stick it in people's face. It's just your testimony you know, against them. Don't get, don't get all into that. The Christians aren't called for revenge though many of us would like to have <laughs> some revenge from time to time, and I'm sure it would feel awfully nice, but that's not what we're called to do. The point of this is shake it off the dust. Get the dust off of you. People are dusty. 
they will get dust all over you and they'll do things to you and just cover you with all kinds of stuff. And if you're not careful, it will just build and build on you. Don't carry that stuff. You know, a lot of Christians, they're like, you know, that, the Peanuts characters, you know, Charlie Brown, all those guys, and then the little guy called Pigpen, and they walk on just a cloud of dust. It's a lot of Christians. So-and-so said something to me, and I can't believe that guy ripped me off. There's covered with dust everywhere. It's a big cloud. Shake it off. Don't let what they did to you get on you. All right, and we do this. Why? We just, instead of letting that stuff build, shake it off. Everybody say, shake it off. Goodness gracious, don't let that stuff get on you and build on you. Uh, don't cry because things don't go the way you want, or you'll be crying all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised people say, Pastor, everything doesn't go the way I want. And I just think, what, what planet do you live on? Of course, things. life is hard. Has anybody noticed this? This is hard. You know, you do something and then it doesn't work out. Say, Pastor, how do you handle stuff like that? I don't know. Just shake it off. Don't let it get on you. All kinds of stuff get on you. Don't make it angry. And, and the best way to do this is just forgive people. And I know some of you really struggle with this. Well, that guy did such and such to me. That person is really shake it off. Just covering you with all kinds of gunk. Don't carry that stuff around. And listen, when they get dust on you, it's not about you, it's about them. They did this stuff. Don't let it get all over you. Don't let the dust of rejection get on you. Don't let the dust of failure get on you. I'm shocked by people who are shocked when they fail. I really am. Pastor, it didn't work out. Yeah, and? <laughs> this isn't heaven. Have you noticed this is not heaven? If this is your version of heaven, it sucks to be you, all right? This is not heaven. This is, this is the broken world that we're going through, and by God's grace, we get through it, and we get out of here, and we go to where it's not all icky and stuff, and dust. It's just everywhere. You can't really do anything about it, you know? You ever clean a place that all of a sudden has to get clean again? And all the mothers said, amen. <laughs> do you know? You could go through and completely dust your house. Get rid of everybody. Just lock the doors, wrap the entire house in saran wrap, and come back six months later, you know what you're going to find? Dust. How is that even possible? It's just because it's always there. We live in a dusty world. Don't go around collecting everybody's gunk. Shake it off. Move on. Man, don't get discouraged because things don't work out. Say, Pastor, you ever fail? Oh, good Lord. I, I fail so much, I'm very comfortable with the sensation. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't get sucked into it. You know? So, and I don't share these stories because they're rather depressing. <laughs> I'd rather encourage you. There's all kinds of stuff I've done that just fail miserably. And sometimes, you know, people are shocked when, when they fail. There's those of us who are shocked when it succeeds. <laughs> It worked out. Shake it out. That was awesome. You know? And just don't carry all this icky stuff on you. The dust of disappointment. Oh, so disappointed. Shake it off. Even your own failure. Sometimes we create the dust ourselves. Pastor, I made a mistake. This didn't work out. This failed in my life. I made this stupid decision. Whatever it is, move on. Don't just let it go. 
I had this lady once, she walked into the church, you know, came through the magic doors. She walks in and she says, who are you? I said, well, I'm the pastor. Good to see you. Let me tell you what happened. And she went on. And I mean, this lady is just nailing me. I don't think she took a breath in five minutes. Just, and this is a horrible thing, and this horrible thing, that happened, this horrible thing happened to me. I go, that's terrible. I said, when did this happen? Because it suddenly happened yesterday. She said, 25 years ago. I went, you know, you're a little crazy. That's okay. If you're crazy, welcome. Half of us here are crazy. All right? And everybody's got their stuff. But I said, don't, don't hang. She's living it. Let it go. Shake it off. Goodness gracious. Now, Isaiah, the prophet, was speaking to the Jewish people. And during this time, they were in captivity in Babylon. What had happened was they kept rebelling against God. And God kept telling them, you need to stop it. And when I'm saying rebel, I mean, they weren't like, you know, forgetting to go to church. <laughs> they were horrible. They were doing terrible things. They were worshiping idols. They would burn their children in sacrifice to these idols. I mean, stop and think how sick you got to be to get, I mean, pure paganism. Some of it is incredibly vile and disgusting. And he would warn them, you need to stop it. If you don't stop it, I'm going to bring down the hammer. I'm going to bring down the hammer. In fact, if you read in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Kings, there's two of them, first Kings, second Kings, why, it's just not one big kings? I don't know. But it's first and second kings. And it's the history of all the kings and how they all messed up and how they did evil things and horrible things. And God kept saying, you better stop it or you're going to get it. You better stop it or you're going to get it. But, but halfway through, I'm like, I just kill him already. What's going on? I mean, you think God is impatient with you because you kicked the dog? Don't kick the dog. But I mean, you know, oh, God must be mad because I still struggle with stuff. Apparently, God is really patient because these people did this over and over again for hundreds of years. And finally, he said, all right, the hammer is coming. And they were invaded by the Babylonians. They destroyed Jerusalem, killed most of the Jews and took a remnant of them and uh, drug them off into Babylon. So they're not even in their homeland anymore. And they are depressed. I mean, everything's going wrong. They don't have their home anymore. They're, they're stuck uh, in, in this part of the world they don't want to be in. And uh, so they feel bad. Who wouldn't feel bad, right? You think you feel bad because, you know, something happened to you. You know, your car wrecked or whatever. I mean, this, this is awful. And, and uh, Isaiah comes, and this is what he says to them. Isaiah 52, verse 2. Shake it off! <laughs> Shake off the dust! What do you mean? We're stuck in captivity. Everything's horrible. He says, shake it off. And then he says, get up. Everybody say, get up. You got not, not only shake it off, you need to get up. Do something. Take your seat, Jerusalem. Loosen the chains from your neck, you captive daughter of Zion. Get up and do something. This is the part of Christianity a lot of people just don't like. We want God to do everything. Why do I have to do anything? Because you got to do stuff. You can't just put it all there. He will. I got this great quote. God will do what you cannot do, but he will not do what you can. Let me say this again. God will do what you cannot do, but he will not do what you can. It's a great quote from a guy by the name of Mark Gunger. Just, just, uh, <laughs> I love this guy. He's brilliant. So, you know, 
God will do. That's the good news. We celebrate what God will do, right? That we can't do. You're over your head. I got good news for you. Jesus can get you out of the mess you're in. You're in chains. I got good news. Jesus can break the chains that you cannot break. But at some point, you still got to do stuff. And a lot of people say, well, why does my life stink? <laughs> because you do stinking things. You need to get active in your faith. Do you ever pray? No. <laughs> Most people don't even give thanks for their burger they're going to eat this afternoon. I mean, come on. Be thankful. Pray. Ask God to move in your life. Why didn't God do stuff in your, in your life? Have you asked him? Well, no. You got to do something. All right? Why hasn't God given me a job yet? I, I prayed to give me a job. Well, have you looked for a job yet? No. Well, you got to go look for a job. Well, well, then why do I have to pray? So God will bless you and you can succeed, but you still have to do something. You can't just not do anything. So he tells them, get up, get going. Take your seat, loose the chains from your neck. Oh, these chains are heavy. And it's just like, I don't know. And then after a while, I'm going to get shiny and it's such a pretty chain. And, you know, I kind of like this chain. You know? Honestly, I think some people love their misery. Have you met people like this? They're miserable and they, they really like it. They complain about it, but they're very, they're very comfortable with it. You know, they don't want you to touch it. Like my daughter, when she was a little girl, she'd get a, a sliver in her finger. And she, and my daughter, Leslie, when she was a little, Phil was kind of a relief because he was a little more normal. <laughs> and Leslie's great. She's amazing, gorgeous girl. But uh, she didn't cry like a normal kid. You couldn't tell if a fly had landed on her or if her leg had been broken in six places. There was only one version of expression. Ah! All the time. How long will this last? I mean, it just, and she would scream and just, you know, we'd drive it in the car and she's just screaming. Why, what's wrong? My feet are hot. Take off your socks. Oh my word. Uh, it's amazing we're still safe. Anyway, you know, she would get a sliver in her finger and she's screaming, of course, bloody murder. Oh, I got it here. I was like, okay, come here, come here, come here. And, and I'd reach for her. She says, well, don't touch it. <laughs> well, I got to touch it, right? We want God to remove whatever slivers in our lives, but we don't want him to touch it. We don't want anybody else to touch it. And we like our chains. That's kind of a nice chain, you know. It's kind of hip. You got to get it off. Get it off. <laughs> There's a very familiar verse of scripture in the New Testament, Matthew, the gospel. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a great verse, right? You tired, man. Just, Jesus will give you rest. Praise God. And then he says, so take my yoke upon you. What? Yo, you know what a yoke is? You put it on ox and it gets on the yoke and, and I assume it's heavy. Never been an ox. But anyway, and, and he pulls things with it. What, what, what's, what's with this yoke thing? What are you talking about yoke? Why? Because you still got to do some stuff and we don't want to do stuff. We're Americans. <laughs> I don't do anything. You want to grow in your faith, man? You got to do some things. You got to actively get engaged with your faith. And I mean, in a consistent way, pray, read your Bible, come to church more than eight times a year. 
you know, I don't want too much of that. You know, I go crazy. No, is it good for you? All the people at home still. All right. God comes to Abraham, gives him a promise of all this land. Gorgeous part of the world. Great land. And from then on, we call it the promised land. <laughs> Why is it called the promised land? Because God promised it to Abraham and his descendants. Abraham doesn't experience, but eventually his descendants do. So he says, I'm giving you all this land. Abraham's like, this is awesome. This is great. And then we read in uh, Genesis 13, 17. So God says, get up. Everybody say, get up. No, no, you got to shake it off again. You need to get up and do something. Get up and walk through the length and breadth of the land because I will give it to you. Wait a minute. If you're going to give it to me, why do I got to go walking? <laughs> right? That's the way we think. You know, things don't always turn out. It's like if I come to John and say, John, I'm going to give you a house. John goes, that's awesome. You're giving me a house. Yes, I'm giving you a house. Woo! You're going to love this house. Great. Now go get some wood and a hammer. Oh, what kind of version of a house is this? Well, you got to build it. I'll, I'll give you the hammer. I'll give you the wood. You got to go work on it. See, so that's the part we fail. We think God's just going to give everything to us. And then we get disappointed. Oh, I don't know. You didn't give me everything. Well, you got to do something. At some point, you got to breathe. You got to get some energy in you. You need to get up and do something. Get up and walk through the length and the breadth of the land. I will give it to you. Uh, you guys run on the scriptures. I'm going to jump to Luke 5, 17, and then I'll go back to the other one. All right, so this is in the gospel, again, the gospel of Luke. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some people came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him uh, to the house to lay him before Jesus. Jesus is in town. He's a healer. This guy's paralyzed. Let's go check it out. So they bring him. When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and they basically <laughs> ripped up the roof. I don't know if the guy who owned the house appreciated that. But anyway, so he, they messed up the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So they drop him down. And, down. and Jesus saw what they did. He saw, wow, that takes faith to come up with that. And he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees, all the religious people and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the paralyzed man, paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Everybody say, get up. Yeah. Now that's insulting. The man is paralyzed. You don't come to paralyze people and tell them to get up because they're paralyzed. That's insensitive. Oh my goodness gracious. And we live in a country today that has gone out of its ever-loving mind. Everybody's offended about everything. And we have created a whole culture of offense today. There's things that are, people are offended about. I didn't even know you could be offended about things. And they're offended and they're just, and if you offend someone, oh, 
you're dead. You're dead. You can't offend people. And you can't come to someone who's paralyzed and say, get up. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so I'm paralyzed. What an insensitive thing to say. How could he say such a thing? Oh, I'm telling you, people. <laughs> uh, they, listen, we read a few weeks ago about James, about the tongue. The tongue will always get you in trouble, right? It always gets you in trouble. He says, anyone who doesn't get in trouble with their mouth is a perfect person. And of course, there are no perfect people, so everybody messes up. Anybody say something you shouldn't have said? Yeah, right? Oh, man. Pastor, have you? Oh, the list is long. It's amazing. And I will say things, and the people will really get upset at me because of what I said. I don't even remember what I said, but they remember every little word. You said that one, that one phrase. How dare you? And I go, oh, my word. Shake it off. Get up. Get up. I want to get up. They like, I'm telling you, I think some people love their misery. It's like the chain. They love their chains. You know, at some point, you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right? It's, at some point, you just, you got to shake it off and you got to get up. So well, I got to do something. Yes. The good news, God will do what you cannot do. But he's not going to do what you can all kinds of stuff we should be doing. Get up. <laughs> what those guy thought. What do you mean get up? Get up. Take your man. Go home. That's a little insulting too. <laughs> get up. Get out of here. I just got here. Well, immediately the guy stood up in front of them. Took what if he landed and went home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Everybody was freaked out. Did you see? That's incredible. What does that mean? You don't have to stay paralyzed. Say you got an owie. I know you got an owie. But you don't have to keep your owie. But a lot of people, they get an owie and they go live in Owiesville. <laughs> they got their parking space in Owiesville. Oh, you sit there. Uh, uh, what's wrong? I got an owie. Let me touch Don't touch it! Oh, my goodness gracious. Get up. Now let's go back to Abraham. Eventually, his descendants come along. And they're about to go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 1.8, is what God says. Look, I have given you the land that is ahead of you. Awesome. <laughs> he gave it to us. And then he says, go. Everybody say, go. go. And that's the next thing. You got to shake it off. You got to get up. <laughs> got to go. For heaven's sakes. Go and take possession of the land. And if you read it, they had to go and fight for it. They had to fight for it. Well, that's no fun. But you got to do it. You got to, I thought you gave it to I did. Well, how come I got to go fight for it? That's the way it works. <laughs> right? We think if somebody gives us something, it's done with. The guy gives us something, again, he'll do what's impossible. But then you got to do what you got to do. And they had to go in and fight for it. And they got it. They got the promised land, but they had to work for it. God was with them. And as he promised, he gave him the land. But we get confused thinking we shouldn't have to do anything. But we have to do things. We have to get involved. You have to get involved in your faith. And you have to trust God to, to do what you, you cannot do. But no, you've got to do what you can. And to move on. So to shake it off, get up, and to go. Get going, for heaven's sakes. Just don't sit around and do nothing. 
So pastor, I, you know, some of these, I get what you're saying, but you know, I, you know, I got some really, really big hurts in my life. Well, I get it. I get it, but how do we deal with it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the ultimate shake it off, get up and go. Someone hurts you, that's their dust, man. Don't let it settle on you. Just let it go. Let it go, let it go. Stupid movie. Anyway, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> See, now somebody's going to get offended because they called it a stupid movie. And you're going to walk around with pastor dust on you all day long. <laughs> he said that movie's stupid. I love that movie. Shake it off. Okay, I got to shut up. All right, here we go. Let's <laughs> I invite our ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion. This is where we celebrate the power of forgiveness that makes it possible for us to shake it off, to get up, and to go. Say, well, Pastor, I made terrible mistakes. Shake it off. Pastor, so-and-so really hurt me. Shake it off. Pastor, things have failed. Shake it off. Just get up and go and trust and say, well, what if I stumble again? What if? You probably will. <laughs> Isn't that good news? <laughs> what do you do then? Shake it off, get up, and just keep going. Now, I love reading success stories. I don't know if you ever read success stories of really financially successful, you know, multi-millions and, and stuff, and how many times they fail. It is stunning. It is stunning. I mean, let them go bankrupt multiple times. They lose everything. And today, they're some of the wealthiest men in the world. Donald Trump, with all his money, whether you like him as a politician, it's one thing, but with his money, man, and he failed and went bankrupt, I believe, several times as well. How do these guys, you know what they do? They, they get up, they shake it off, and they go again. They don't let it define them. Don't let your failures define who you are. Say, well, I made it horrible. Fast, I've talked to you. Fast, I invested $1,000 and I lost it all. I ain't never invested again. Really? Get up, shake it off. You're never going to succeed in life if you let your failures define. But the difference is when we fail, many of us fail, we believe that's the final word. But these guys, they, they don't. They doubt, how do I want to say this? What amazing quote can I come up with now? <laughs> Here's what we need to do. Doubt your failures. When you fail, doubt it. That's what these guys do. They don't doubt it. I mean, they, they doubt it. They don't believe this horrible fail. And they go, well, that's not right. <laughs> that can't possibly be me. <laughs> and they do it again. And they'll fail again and say, well, that ain't right. <laughs> it fell apart. Yep. Don't know how that happened, but that ain't me. Don't believe your failures. Don't believe your failures define who you are. Amen. All right. Anyway, Jesus makes all this possible. Despite our failures, despite what other people do to us, whatever. Forgiveness is the key. And all that happens because he died on the cross for our sins 2,000 years ago, which is what we celebrate when we take communion. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. All to make it possible for us to shake it off, to get up and to go in every area of our lives. Before we do this, the Bible says we should examine ourselves, see where we're at. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And let me pray forgiveness over all of us here. Heavenly Father, before we partake and celebrate of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned in any way, help us to shake it off. <laughs> Get up and to go. Forgive us, Lord. If uh, other people have sinned against us, 
Help us to shake it off, to get up, and to go. Help us to reset this morning. Whatever's been happening in our hearts, in our lives, whatever mistakes we've made and stuff, Lord, we just ask you to reset in us. Forgive us of our sins and our failures as we forgive those who sin and fail against us. And help us to walk free this week. Empower us, oh God, to be the kind of people that you want us to be. And maybe you're here visiting as people are praying uh, and you're thinking, you know, I've never done this. I've never asked Jesus into my life. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. You can do that. All you gotta do on your own, in your own words right now, just ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, come into my life and please forgive me of my sins and my failures. And you can start to experience this wonderful faith that we're talking about because God sets things right and he'll set you free. Amen.